Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Okay, come here. Come here. Come here. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up at this hour, it's newsmakers and in the spotlight. But as always, we invite you to join us first for a brand new episode of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Wednesday, December first. If you're just joining us on our Facebook live stream, but if you're joining us by radio, welcome to you as well. It's now Thursday, December the second. I'm John Van Trieste, and here in the studio with me today is Leslie Liao. Hello. In just a moment, we're going to be telling you about how Taiwanese men aged 41 to 50 seem to be having a lot of trouble behaving themselves lately. Uh oh. We're also going to be telling you about what Taiwan's most popular YouTube video of the year was, and well, I guess we still have a couple weeks, but still, I guess the the ballots are in. And also,、uh, Taiwanese political party expresses some concerns about Taiwanese athletes taking part in next year's Winter Olympics. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Well, I'm not sure what the problem is. Is it mating season or what? But like. Middle-aged Taiwanese men have been、uh, acting a bit out of hand lately in a couple of different instances. What's going on, John? Well, the first one,、uh, I think maybe not everyone knows this, but Taiwan has adopted the American custom of Black Friday, which for those who oh yeah 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 okay is a day when people kind of go a little bit mental、uh, over some sweet deals. In this particular <laughs> case, it was herbal essences shampoo that was the source of conflict. Oh, I've never a, seen that in Taiwan. At a Costco、huh. here near Taipei. Okay. On Saturday, November twenty seventh, two men got into a fight about herbal essences shampoo because one of them took a guy, I guess, kind of slipped past the sort of barrier. Yeah, yeah. Set up to、uh-huh. uh, keep, make people line up, line up, to get a special deal: four hundred seventy nine NT dollars for a bottle of shampoo. They had the urge for herbal, John. I've forgotten about those commercials. <laughs> the urge for herbal.、Um, yeah, someone who saw it wasn't happy about it, and it turned into a match in which one person apparently got knocked out. Oh wow! So it was a KO. How'd it go down? Oh, there's a blow by blow here, but I thought there's a blow by blow. But there's a reason that I、um, announced the news and not boxing matches. So I'll just, if you're interested, the details can be found on Taiwan News. <laughs> there's an article all about it, detailing each move. Anyway, police arrived on the scene. Both were taken in for questioning. They're both pressing charges against each other for inflicting bodily harm. Oh wow! And the police are investigating them for assault. That would be bad enough, but、uh, it's a couple days later.、Uh, actually, just yesterday, November thirtieth, there was a dramatic fight n- in a different part of New Taipei. This time at a night market.、Uh, one person didn't like the way another one was looking at him. What? There must be someone in the water down there. Like I said, I don't know if there's some the horm the middle aged hormone season or yeah, well, maybe maybe some guy was just looking at some kind of food stall and then someone crossed and then they locked eyes for maybe half a second and then I don't know, but man, they turned into another incident in which shoppers ran away 
The police were called. Was anybody knocked out? Um, apparently one was thrown to the ground, but oh, uh, dear. they apparently uh, injured pretty badly, and they continued to argue, but then they just walked away. They just walked away like nothing happened? Of course, the police had already been called. Both men were taken to the station for questioning. One Other of them had to, go, had to go to the hospital an ambulance due to injuries and all because one person didn't like the way the other was looking at him. Are they present charges against yes, one another? Okay. Indeed. And their case is already in court to be investigated as assault. People, keep your hands to yourself. Please. Well, uh, Jen Delari says herbal essence is, is supposed to calm you down, man. It, it's a driving tempers here. I guess they, uh, it's before they got a chance to use it, so they didn't get a chance to calm down before they do know. that. You said these guys are aged, are middle-aged? Well, they aged 41 and 44 in the first fight at the Costco, 45 and 50 at, I don't know why. What is it What is it about what that about age shampoo? bracket? What is it yeah. about shampoo? Is it something about the age bracket, the shampoo, it could be the night market, you said it happened in New Taipei. There's a lot of reasons that this may happen when it happened. Somebody's spraying hormones in the air, I don't know. Could be. Uh, Nazir Aziz asks, what's the police helpline number in Taiwan? Um, well, you know, in the world, the rest of the world, is, it's like you, you associate 911, right? It's the opposite. It's 119. It's 119 in Taiwan. Well, I think the fire department is a different one. I think it's 114? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, there's different numbers. We start with 11s one yes. instead of just the uh, a number up front. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like that's a good number to know these days. I'm going to be much more weary on this. Yeah, you got to have that on speed dial, man. Generally, Taiwan is a very safe place. I've never seen such a thing. But our media here loves it. They love to like play up stories like this. They do. And um, especially especially with the mania that is Black Friday. I mean, I, I was at the Black Friday sales. They, they weren't that good. The, the deals I've never found good. them very good. They weren't and that good, And nothing about John. Cyber Monday. Why would you even go to a store? Yeah. I, to be fair, Costco in Taiwan is kind of like a psychology experiment, and like the worst of all human behavior comes out. Well, you can tell me I'm. Lo- I, I can tell you right now I'm locked up in that experiment. I'm like, like for a life. It's like the, it's like the people who make rats run races definitely decided to design. There are definitely people who designed Costco here. It could be. It's a zoo. Um, I just have never seen it escalate to that point. Maybe it's the free whiskey shots that they give out. They do do that, but they haven't given it out since uh, since COVID became a thing. Really? Since the outbreak, like, this free samples I are... I thought that you could just, like, take a... They have wine, too. You used to. You used to. They don't even ask you if you've driven, which is strange. They don't ask you. They don't even ID you, man. They have, like... They have a big parking lot there. I'm sure half, more than half the people there have, are driving. Oh, so yeah, definitely. Maybe that has something to do with it. Anyway, um... Yeah, something's in the air. Something's in the air, something in the water. Who knows? All right. Uh, what's Taiwan's favorite YouTube video of the year? Yeah, I'm so really interested to hear this one. There's been a lot of... There are a couple good Taiwanese YouTubers. Uh-huh. Um, I think in some cases, even if you don't speak Chinese, you can still understand them. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that none of them are on this are made this. Uh, top none of them are actually. We talked about a few fascinating YouTubers who are like guys who live from abroad and come to Taiwan and establish themselves a YouTube channel. Oh, my favorite are Taiwanese people who go abroad. Oh yeah, okay, so that's one, like the opposite. There's one right? set called the Doo Men. The Doo Men. Well, it's do as in they do things. Uh-huh. I thought it was Dodo Men for a long time. Oh, oh is that... Doo Doo, oh. apparently. They have a theme song. I can see that being and a And they problem. travel around, mostly the U.S. where they're based, but they're both two ex-Silicon Valley guys. Oh, um, wow. And they do things, as their name implies. 
uh, like going to, they had a poll on what's America's most boring state, and they went there and they found saw what there was to do. What was what was the most American? It was poll? Idaho, um, which I don't know. I've never been there, so potatoes, I don't man. Um, and uh, yeah, the, or they like will throw a dart at a map and just and go see there. what happens. Go there. They go there like across, they fly um, anyway. And then the other one is Ben's Adventure, which he does lots of international travel too. Mm. He's a guy. He went to all of Taiwan's now shrinking number of diplomatic allies. Oh wow! He went to each one of them, even the very inaccessible small island countries. Well, that's great. I mean, like, it, it must be hard for him now with all the travel restrictions. He's in China now, I think. Oh wow! What? I don't know why. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, this is none of this is even a Taiwanese series. No, Taiwanese. Uh, the most popular video in Taiwan is not a Taiwanese series. It's actually a Japanese series called uh, Pui Pui, Pui, Pui Molkar, which is a stop animation, a series it's, of stop animation mor- videos. Moruka, which is a combination of Morimoto, which is Japanese for guinea pig, mm-hmm. and Ka, which is car. Oh, because I thought Moruka. they were talking about a mole car, no, like no, a mole. Moruka. It's like they smash the two words together. Gotcha. Well, but it's a stop motion series made of, of guinea pigs that are also cars. It's very Japanese. It's you very to... strange. Like, I didn't understand what I was looking at the first time and I they, saw it. They're cars, but they're guinea pigs, and they're made of yarn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they do, they have, they have, a, the drivers are actual, like, cutouts like from a magazine oh yeah, like yeah, dolls, yeah. And they move around it's kind of creepy um you have to see it to understand it's it's i'm gonna put it up i'll put a link to it's it on tv it's shown on taiwanese tv is too. it i've seen it on uh is it cartoon network it was some channel that, that doesn't surprise me um so they're two and a half minute clips of japanese stop motion animated series and it's been already crowned the most popular youtube video for taiwan in 2021 and like you said there's a month left so this could if you know the nature of viral things this could just as easily change this has been popular for a long time they sell the um, the different guinea pigs because they have main car guinea pig characters. Yeah, they have a police car one. They have other ones, um, and uh, yeah, you can buy like different merchandise at, at convenience stores here too. And this could be one of those things. Where, yeah, you can get the convenience store like the keychains and stuff like that. But maybe this is just a case of first come first serve because this video was posted on January fifth, and it's a specific episode called "Who Caused the Traffic Jam." Oh, I've seen that one. Have you seen that one? That's is the any one good? That they show all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's generated 10.48 million views uh, as of Wednesday, and this is from the licensed distributor from uh, Muse TV, they Muse Taiwan. Of, every little episode has kind of like a moral or something. Mm. The one in that is like, watch where you put your headphones on. Because I, the, the, who caused the traffic jam was the guinea pig car that had headphones on and didn't notice wasn't paying attention to the lights changing. I don't think I could have extrapolated that moral from that episode, from that premise. They also have lessons like don't litter. Okay. Um, I think it's kind of aimed at kids, but I don't know. Uh, the, the series has a total of 12 episodes, and um, the soaring popularity of the series could be attributed to the fact that it was helped... Uh, it was to help relieve stress during the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is according to Google Taiwan, which released the rankings. This is, was there any other lists on things on the list? Oh, uh, yeah. So one of the most... So um, that was the top. Like, that was the absolute what, what, top. What are the runners-up? The runner-ups, we have um, videos of uh, spanning across entertainment, inspirational content, and inspirational news topics, content. of which the most uh, contentious is ractopamine pork. Ugh. <sighs> I mean, why would you go? I would go on YouTube to not pay attention to that stuff. Why uh-huh. would you go on YouTube? Well, I guess the comment section explains it all. Yeah, and um, then there's also um, poli- divisive political issues like pork. Yeah, that's very indicative of the Taiwanese demographic. It's um, very indicative of how few problems we actually have. That pork is the biggest issue, divisive issue. Yeah, and apparently, music, popular music, is 
separated into a separate category. Um, the most popular song was um, from this from Eggplant Egg. They're a local band that sings in both Chinese and Taiwanese. Oh, I haven't heard of them. Um, they were. It was a song called. You never heard of them? No, I'm surprised it wasn't Boli Xin, the the song making fun of Chinese internet users. That was number seven, and that came out in October, I believe. Because that's all that I've seen on my like facebook radar or people yeah people commenting i actually haven't heard that song either but i just i've read about it yeah it's it's it pokes fun at how you know the, the chinese trigger happy internet comments. netizens always yeah. always react to anything open in china that was number seven and okay. i think maybe that because that came out a little later there were other two other categories that taiwan google released called most popular creators and emerging creators um but the news story does not indicate whom was part of that list, and I don't think I would be able to recognize them. You wouldn't be able to recognize them. Yeah. Do you follow any like Taiwanese YouTubers? Not because really. I, I those are the only two that like I really know of. Yeah, I don't follow Taiwanese YouTubers actually. I follow American YouTubers just because. I follow YouTubers from everywhere, but just random things that I found. Yeah, I've seen you do that before. Uh, I mean, I've <laughs> Stash seen... is always asking me what what weird thing are you watching now? Well, What's Stash... going on there? Well, I've seen. He sits Stash... near me in the office sometimes when we're when we finished early. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen Stash eat lunch while staring at a picture of Van, like a Van Gogh work, and I'm just like, Stash, are you just he's, staring he's, at that? He's listening to a narrated video. Yeah, no, he's 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 getting his cultural fix for the day. Yeah, know? but like, high, high art. For me, it just looks like he's just staring at that painting while eating lunch, which is kind of entertaining. Jen Delari says, as someone who has road tripped all through the western and eastern United States, there's always something to see if you go looking for it. Uh, I don't remember the name of the channel anymore, but there was a guy on YouTube with just a camera walking through the streets of Taiwan, uh, Taipei. It was really awesome. There was one where he turned a corner and suddenly there was a huge temple just sitting there. They, that happens a lot, though. You can find those random temples anywhere. Yeah. Um, and some of them are indeed quite huge. There's some a couple near me that... Um, and uh, Nazir Aziz asks, how many channels does Taiwan have on satellite ETX? That is a very specific I do question, not, have, I have cable. No idea. I think we have, I have about like 200 channels, but not all of them. It skips sometimes. Yeah. Taiwan's got like a good selection of TV channels if yeah. you want to pay for them. We have a lot of foreign TV channels, actually. Like, they just put su Chinese subtitles on, like, d like David Attenborough documentaries or whatever. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. But you can't, it's we hard to catch them, huh? No, I was sitting in the vet's office the other day, and they were playing them. Nice. Yeah. Is, wait, so, the vet's office is Bunny okay? Uh, he had a little problem. Oh dear. Uh, he's okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, they, we have a lot of foreign TV content too. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I I think that uh maybe, I guess it's indicative of the fact that we're not very mainstream in terms of our YouTubing taste. Not very, yeah, not very much, huh? Oh, well, uh, I have seen it. I'm at least proud to say that there's one thing on that list that I know of. I've seen it. I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe because I'm pretty sure the, the Olympics just finished. It feels like it. And now we're already into another one. That's that's the tip, tipsy-turvy world of COVID. It kind yeah. of makes time lose all meaning. Anyway, they're coming up. They're happening in Beijing. I don't think foreign spectators are allowed at all. Um, they're not going to allow any foreign spectators in. But there are some concerns about athletes going. I'm also surprised because I wasn't aware we had winter sports athletes. I mean, we, we do don't have exactly wintry weather here. We have a we have a handful, and it's if you look, there's a we are very much a summer sport country. Yeah, where do they kind of train? Yeah, I, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> I mean, That's a very I, I good guess question. They're, they're probably ice skating rinks somewhere, but like other than that, there's one in Taipei, but it's I can't imagine that one is. 
I mean, up to any international standard. Unless you're a figure skater, there's, there's not even like, um, you know, we're going to train for like ski jumping or bobsled. There's nowhere to do that. Yeah, that's a good question. I have heard that in the summer they do roller. They practice roller with like derby? roller derby. Yeah, that's oh, okay. the, how they continue to train throughout the year. That's got to be in a, that's got to be such an inauthentic way to kind of like train for. Uh, I don't know for an ice sport. Uh, again, so apparently we we do. I guess have yeah, people we in. do. There's a, there's a political party here that's concerned. Uh, one of the smaller uh, third parties, the New Power Party, had a uh, press conference. They were asking the government to kind of clarify the policy over the 2022 Olympics. Now, this is coming amid very heightened and strained tensions with China. Things um, are weird, man. <laughs> it's, it's really weird, man. And China, of course, they want to... They claim Taiwan as part of its territory, but that's in stark contrast to what the administration in Taiwan believes. Well, and we have separate Olympic teams. That's so. right. We have separate Olympic teams. They, we're not allowed to call ourselves Taiwan, but it's it's there. Yeah. Um, many countries are, are mulling a boycott over the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. It's kind of late. Like, it's in, it's in February. They have to make up their minds kind of quickly, don't they? Yeah, so it's got to be soon. Um, and then the NPP also said that if we send people over to Beijing, well, since 1991 to last year, 600 Taiwanese people have disappeared in China for unknown reasons. Now, they're worried for that... unknown reasons? Because I think so, at least some of them had uh, political, uh, I don't know, uh, aims, or they were meeting with people that the government over there didn't want them to This be. is what the NPP says. Okay. And then um, they're just worried that if we send these con this contingent and... Um, well, Beijing might stop them at the airport when they, they try to leave, to back. and then they won't be able to come back because they're saying, hey, you guys are part of our territory, and you guys but need to they listen had to the, us. So they, but they had the Olympics in 2008. Granted, the situation then was much different. Yes. Uh, a lot warmer, I think, because of... Uh, President Ma Ying-jeou. Yeah, the, he was... A, they liked him more, and but I don't remember there being any problems. I'm sure we said... Well, that was a summer olympics so i'm sure we sent athletes to that i'll tell you the biggest the biggest problem for me was losing the china taiwan baseball game because taiwan had a lead the entire time oh and then they lost happen? it oh that was 2008 that was the summer olympics oh. and my heart broke oh well. um yeah so this is this we're gonna well, see we what happens back at them in badminton so <laughs> yeah that's fair olympics. that's fair that was a unusual match too yeah so um they're looking at, they want to ensure that they have the safety, even if it is just less than a dozen uh, athletes that are going to the Winter Olympics. I think the government probably even count them on one hand, but how, are the, how is the government here going to do anything about what they're happens not, this is this, So this, this, uh, this press conference was just to urge the government to oh. be like, you got to put this on your radar. You got to make sure that... I don't know. If they're concerned about them, why let them go in the first place? Um... Wait till the next time around. Well, at the same time, these athletes have trained their entire life to compete. Like you said, right? Winter Olympics, you don't know exactly how. They're not even, the last ones in Korea weren't even on TV, barely. Yeah. They, they barely showed any. I, I tried to find coverage. All I only saw was like a, a little snippet of the closing ceremony. Was that Daegu? No, Pyeongchang. Oh, Pyeongchang. That was, that was right. Um, yeah, yet, so. Didn't see it, so. So, yeah, this is, uh, let's see what happens. But like you said, they, if people need to start making up their minds in two months, because that's when you got to start deciding whether or not you want to boycott the. 2022 Beijing Olympics. Um, Nancy Pelosi called for a, di a diplomatic boycott yeah, of the games. The thing is that, 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 that they very cleverly decided just, well, we won't let any foreigners come in. That way they can't do that. Oh, is that if right? no foreigners can be there, then then there's no worry about that. Well, did they say a diplomatic boycott? Or was it was like they're not letting the athletes even go. No, no, no. They're not letting foreign spectators come, which means no heads of state, no foreign dignitaries, n no 
Oh, wow. So, they, yeah, they don't have to worry about that. Jendalari says, it's funny that this is even a worry given the original Olympics in ancient Greece basically called for a truce to all the conflicts while they were going on so everyone could compete. Yeah, well, look at some of the places and times where they've had held them, Berlin. <clears throat> you oh, know? Yeah. Um, it's uh, Politics, I think, has always been... Was it Munich? That was later. That was oh, later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So... Not exactly a, a, an extremely clean track record there where... Uh, that sort of ideological stuff is concerned, but I think people like you think people love sports now, man, but to like have everybody put on hold like their petty conflicts and be like, let's all compete. That's I, well, I, in the modern world, that's just too much to ask. Yeah, for, I guess a little too much. I don't know. Um, then again, they didn't do winter sports back then either. So, oh, did they not? No. Oh, okay. They were like naked wrestling and stuff. I mean, that is that is ancient. That does sound like ancient Greece yeah. to me. Discus throwing. Discus throwing and, and shot put. Did they do shot putting? I'm not quite sure about that. Oh, man. Ancient Greece just sounds like such a hoot, man. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Do you have any details about who we're, who we're thinking of sending? Um, what sports they're participating in? I'd be interesting to know. I don't think there's like a curling team or anything. Let me check for you really quickly while I'm here because I remember we sent like, we, we don't have a curling team, right? No, definitely so not. at the 2018 Winter Games, Taiwan only sent four athletes. So like I said, there's probably not a huge... I don't know. I feel like Beijing probably has bigger issues I mean, on its hands snow than four is Taiwanese a huge athletes. Huge deal, right? Snow is a huge deal in Taiwan. So it doesn't like, happen. It doesn't happen Except very often. Except on very small mountain, high mountain tops, and then even then a small dusting. Um. So it's, yeah, and then so like there's only what. So what sports like, were they? Apparently, there's a we have a luge team. Again, I don't know where there's a luge track here. And um, she had the duct tape. She had uh, duct tape wheels to her green, her, her sled. <laughs> So I, ha I had a relative who did luge, like junior Olympics, and uh, that's how they did stuff in the summer too. That's not unusual. Um, we have an alpine skier. There aren't very many alpine ski slopes here. Yeah, <laughs> and know. then uh, you also have. Um, wow, I guess that's. I guess that's all there is. Do I we mean, have a bobsled team like Jamaica? I don't think so. No, because that could be a that could be a um, an eighties. Because if there's making. four people, how many people to a bobsled? It's Two. Four. Oh, is it four? I think it's four. So, like, w of all the four athletes we have, we only sent that one bobsled team. Um, is, is there a sport? Isn't there a sport that involves like like uh, target practice and skiing? Biathlon, I think. Is that is that's a thing, right? I really wonder if there's a biathlon in Taiwan. If there's a biathlete in Taiwan, I think that they're just all Norwegians. Uh, okay, so the alpine skier in Taiwan trains on a machine with the help of her father. Um, this that sounds very homemade. <laughs> John, this looks like they're putting her on skis in a downhill slope with a giant fan in front of her. Yeah, I don't know what our chances are. I mean, I guess I mean we didn't win any winter medal Olympics, but I'm not surprised. We're coming off of the most, the best uh, performance we've ever had at. And Olympics at all, right? Do so, any figure skaters? Oh no, I don't think so. That's one of the few winter sports that you can sometimes see on Taiwanese. That's TV. a good point. Yeah, that's one of the. And then we have the facilities to train for that, don't we? But they're always broadcast from Japan or something. Um, yeah, they're they're broadcast from Japan. Taiwan, Taiwan. I think Taiwan hosted a figure skating thing once. That's strange. Over at Taipei Arena, because Taipei Arena is the one that has a full floor. Or was that a ballroom dancing one? It was probably ballroom dancing because meanwhile outside it's like, <laughs> you know, 20 some degrees Celsius. It's not really. Yeah. So if we're looking for true, I mean, there are apparently are these athletes are 23 and 19 years old. I can't imagine 
Beijing giving them much trouble, but at the same time, you never know. Yes, yeah, so, you never so, know. Maybe you never just know. Best to keep them home. Yeah. Well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Thanks to everyone who joined us and left a comment. I'm John Van Trias. and I'm Leslie Leo. And don't go anywhere just yet, because coming up next is Newsmakers and in the spotlight. Newsmakers, a look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. In this week's edition, we take a break from presenting profiles of people who call the shots in Taiwan and instead look at a country that has been making headlines over here for a few months now, the small Baltic state of Lithuania. But before we dive into the recent developments in Lithuania-Taiwan relations and their significance, let's take a look at the country itself, its history, and how that relates to its policies. Due to the time constraints of this program, I cannot show you the rich tapestry of Lithuanian history in as much detail as I would wish. I preemptively ask for your understanding if I omit or simplify certain aspects of it. Modern-day Lithuania lies along the eastern coast of the Baltic Sea. It borders Poland and the Russian enclave of Kaliningrad to the south, Belarus to the east, and Latvia to the north. It was once the largest state in Europe, but today it is a relatively small country with an area of only 65,000 square kilometers and a population of 2.8 million. Area-wise, it is twice the size of Taiwan, but only around 12% of the population. Lithuania is a member of the European Union, the Eurozone, the Schengen Agreement, and NATO. It enjoys a high general standard of living and ranks highly in the Human Development Index as well as on civil liberties, press and internet freedoms. The medieval polity of Lithuania began forming in the 12th century and by the 13th century it took the shape of the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. It quickly found itself surrounded by powerful neighbors, most notably various Russian states to the east and Teutonic Knights to the southwest. The latter made it their mission to forcibly convert Lithuania, which was largely still following traditional beliefs, to Christianity. The duchy kept expanding southeast over the course of the 14th century, eventually reaching the Black Sea and covering vast swaths of modern-day Belarus, Ukraine, parts of Poland and Russia. In 1385, the Lithuanian Grand Duke Jogaila married the young Polish Queen Jadwiga and became the King of Poland. Jogaila forged a personal union between Poland and Lithuania and started a dynasty that would rule both states for centuries to come. In 1569, the two countries voluntarily agreed to form the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, a type of political entity with some similarities to a modern-day federal state. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth practiced a form of representative democracy, albeit reserved only for the nobility. The vast majority of its rural population were serfs, a step above slaves, bound to the land on which they lived and often bought and sold together with it. 
The nobility, on the other hand, was busy maintaining and expanding their privileges, which eventually led to the weakening and stagnation of the Commonwealth. On May 3, 1791, the Great Sejm, or Parliament, of the Commonwealth adopted the world's second codified national constitution after the United States Constitution of 1787. The document sought to create a more democratic system of constitutional monarchy and rein in the worst excesses of powerful nobles. Unfortunately, it proved to be too little too late, and in the following few years the Commonwealth was invaded and partitioned by its three powerful neighbors, Russia, Prussia, and the Habsburg Empire. Over the course of the 19th century, Lithuanians fought for independence in unsuccessful armed uprisings. The majority of Lithuanian lands fell to Russia and were subjected to intensive Russification. This made Lithuanian press illegal, forced cultural and educational institutions to close, and integrated Lithuania into Russian state structures. This effort largely failed. Many Lithuanians dedicated themselves to smuggling in books and teaching children Lithuanian in secret. On February 16, 1918, towards the end of World War I, Lithuania declared independence as a democratic state with Vilnius as its capital. The young state had to fight three wars to keep its newfound freedom against the Bolsheviks, against the remnants of the Russian Imperial Army, and against Poland, which also regained independence the same year. After a staged mutiny, Poland was able to annex the capital region of Vilnius, and the relationship between the two countries remained hostile until World War II. During World War II, Lithuania was first annexed by the Soviet Union, then taken over by Nazi Germany, and finally reoccupied by the Soviets in 1944. The Soviet Union established the puppet state of Lithuanian Soviet Socialist Republic and incorporated it into the USSR. Mass deportations to Siberia and other atrocities committed by the Soviet rulers led to armed guerrilla resistance in Lithuania, which lasted until 1953. The USSR's harsh treatment of partisan fighters is today classified as genocide by both Lithuanian courts and the European Court of Human Rights. On March 11, 1990, Lithuania became the first Soviet Republic to restore its independence. Even a harsh economic blockade which resulted in shortages of fuel, essential goods and even hot water was not enough to break the Lithuanian independence aspirations. In the following years, Lithuania adopted a constitution, expelled the remnants of the Soviet army, joined the World Trade Organization, NATO and eventually the European Union. In recent months, a wave of Lithuanophilia, or love of Lithuania, has swept Taiwan. The reason? During the height of Taiwan's COVID vaccine shortage, Lithuania first donated a batch of 20,000 and later over 200,000 doses. Soon after, the countries decided to open representative offices in each other's capitals. This might not have been that unusual if it weren't for the fact that the Taiwanese office in Vilnius will bear the name Taiwan while names of similar institutions in other European countries typically only include the name Taipei. This is ultimately a small, symbolic gesture, but it proved to matter in Taiwan. On the other hand, this move has caused typical indignation in Beijing. The Chinese government quickly decided to downgrade its own diplomatic relationship with Lithuania to the level of charge d'affaires. Undeterred, Lithuania plans to open its representative office in Taiwan in early 2022. This week, a delegation of predominantly Lithuanian lawmakers that also includes parliamentarians from two other Baltic states of Latvia and Estonia arrived in Taiwan. They will take part in a conference on democracy in Taipei later this week. 
In interviews for the press, Lithuanian lawmakers and diplomats often say that Lithuania hopes to become a model for the rest of Europe on how to maintain good relations with Taiwan and how to approach China. They also stress Lithuanian devotion to freedom and democracy. Lithuania, they say, and as we've heard today, has a history of being ruled by harsh authoritarian regimes, but also of resisting them. This is by no means the predominant approach in Europe. To illustrate the difference, let's quickly look at Poland, another country that proclaims its devotion to freedom and anti-authoritarianism. Following the Lithuanian donation of vaccines, Poland announced it would also send 400,000 doses to Taiwan. However, a day after the announcement, Polish Foreign Minister Zbigniew Rau, who was incidentally visiting the Lithuanian capital of Vilnius at the time, said during a press conference that the Polish position on the matter of Taiwan was clear. He said Poland considered Taiwan to be a part of China. A tweet announcing the donation of vaccines to Taiwan that had been published through the Polish Foreign Ministry's official Twitter account was promptly deleted. A tale of two countries and a tale of two approaches, it would seem. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of Newsmakers. Join me next week for another look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Michael Pinkerton is from Australia, um, and he's been in Taiwan for a couple of years now. He is head of engineering at a Taiwanese company called Swancor Renewable Energy. Now, today I'm going to be talking more with him about these wind turbines. I've always had curiosity about wind turbines and its hugeness. So we're going to hear more from Michael Pinkerton on that, as well as why he decided to make Taiwan his second home. You're saying the turbines, the blades, are really moved just totally by wind, or is there partially electricity automated? Generating? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 all wind. It's all wind. Really? It's wind I still can't believe it. Electricity. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But... No, there's plenty of. If you if you do the um, <laughs> our, our favorite um, <laughs> online, but YouTube, uh, you, you can learn a lot so okay. um, there is many 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 videos on um how 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 wind turbines operate and generate electricity so um uh, look it's um it's fascinating uh, and it's really quite simple as well really um, okay you know i don't know if you're ever a kid and had the had the little i don't know what you call it little fan a little yeah. propeller thing that you know right just, i forgot what you call it yeah blew on the... it with your, yeah you blew on it with you you just turned the turned okay. the blades and it's exactly the same thing all right. Well, it's just that I think, the, you know, the three blades, they, they seem very heavy. So I didn't think that the wind can really <laughs> can really make them yeah. turn like that, you know? Yeah. No, 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 oh, that's, wow. that's, that's, how, that's how it works. Okay. All right. That has always really fascinated me. I was just really puzzled just how it works because I refuse to think that there's any electricity. It's really totally wind. And I just said, I, I'm not convinced that it's just wind making those things move. But now you're telling me they do. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll look into, you know, YouTube and, and, and learn that myself. Yes, I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> but and, and you've also you've also got to bear in mind, like, like you think, that, you know, if you're down on street level, then you climb to the roof of the building and oh. stand outside the roof of the building. It's actually 
the wind is quite strong. Okay, so, so, you're right. You know, yeah, once you get up to a to a higher level as well, the you know the turbines are are sitting quite high in the air, and and these these blades are actually really really quite long. As I said, you know, you're, you're talking two hundred meters, so that's a that's a lot of area, that a lot of wind blowing across it. Oh, yeah. I see. Wow, that is just amazing. I mean, whoever invented that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, now. So while you're working here, I suppose that you, you know, because it's a local company, um, do the, your Taiwanese colleagues um, communicate with you in English or, or you're bilingual with them? Oh, I, wish I, was, <laughs> I wish I was bilingual. Um, I'm bilingual only in the fact that I can confuse a lot of people. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, so, so Swancore, um, it's, a, it's, it's a nice, like obviously it's primarily Taiwanese. There's, there's there's about 115 people that work within the business at the moment, and and of that, from a call it if you like an expat, um, mm-hmm. expat members within the business is probably 15 to 20 expats. So okay. it's still primarily it's still primarily a Taiwanese organisation, yes. and and you know amongst amongst Taiwanese people, you, it's it's Taiwanese or Mandarin that's being spoken, um, but. But everybody is relatively fluent in English as well. So oh, when um, you know when colleagues are coming to speak to any of the expats, obviously it's it's in English. So, but it's a perfect learning environment. And I'm sure if my Chinese tutor was listening to me, she'd be getting upset in saying I should be much more advanced in my Chinese than what I am. But um, <laughs> no, you've only been here a year. <laughs> I know, yes, yeah, so that, that that's true. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's an extremely it's extremely good environment to mm. to be in uh, and work within. Right. Okay. You know, I'm um, going back on the wind turbine. I have a question: Is that, uh, of course, some of them are offshore? Well, most of them mm-hmm. are offshore. I don't, I don't know. Um, you actually, they go very deep, deep down uh, to the bottom of the seabed. Am I right? So, so yes. Yeah, so there's there are what we call fixed bottom wind turbines, which mm-hmm. can either be kind of on a on a on a on a monopile, which is kind of like a singular foundation, a single foundation, if you like to call it, mm-hmm. or you can get um, uh, fixed bottom foundations that we call jackets, and and jackets are kind of like either a three legged type of foundation or it could be a four-legged foundation there's there's many varieties of the types of jackets and and again it depends on the water depth so monopiles will be in in, in shallower offshore waters mm. um, whereas jackets will be in the in the deeper offshore waters and when i say the deeper offshore waters you, you jacket depths for offshore wind turbines kind of in that 50 to 60 meter range after that once you start to get into that deeper water range of 60 plus meters or 65 plus meters you're starting to get into the newer technologies now where we talk about floating um, floating foundations or, or floating turbines offshore floating winds so that's basically a um, oh, almost like a like a hull of sorts there's a number of different offshore floating designs that are out there and depending on the types of conditions of the sea depends on the type of floater that you might used to look at um, for an offshore floating wind turbine and again there's a lot of a lot of news that's been out recently um, about uh, offshore floating wind projects that just come online um, out in the UK there in the North Sea I think Scotland mm-hmm. so you know you can you can look this up again on, on YouTube <laughs> okay. I was all there and you can see exactly how this works but um, 
Um, this is really large. I know. Um, really large toys, if you like to call it. You know, like um, yeah. the, the, the turbines in their own right and, and the foundations, these floating foundations. You know, you're talking things that are... That are, that are mammoth in size, you know, 60, 80 metres um, square in shape and 20 right. metres tall type of scenario. So, and you've got to tow and move all these objects out to sea and then you've got to fix them to the bottom of the ocean with right. chains and anchors and this type of stuff. Wow. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm kind of afraid of the water. I don't really know how to swim. And I'm just thinking that anything that involves, you know, building something and going underwater and all that, it's such a dangerous job. So kudos to those who have to put them up. And, you know, we're not talking about just putting up one of these wind turbines. We're talking about, you know, several in a row. So it's it's a major job. And I think it's a dangerous job. And God, I, I just, you know, I, I appreciate <laughs> people who, who do that. Yeah, it, it is um like like as you just said. I mean, there, there, there's danger. There's danger in every job, but but you've also got to understand that um, it's an industry that that's extremely heavily regulated, and it's an industry that is okay. extremely heavily focused on safety. So mm. safety courses, safety awareness, safety training. Um, it, it it it's all about you know. Mm. I mean, it's um you know it's ultimately we want and we expect you know, people to come home from work in the same yeah. condition that they went to work type of thing, you know. So, um, mm. um, you know, the, the the technology that's out there today to install all of these items as well and trying to get obviously as much of the installation work done in the safest environment, whether that be onshore before you take it offshore, right. um, is also a big part of it. And and looking at the type of vessels that transport, you know, these You're right. um, pieces of equipment and the people to work as well yeah. because... You know, the 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 one of the most dangerous um, parts of the job is actually just the transfer of people from the vessel onto a fixed object at sea. If you can oh. imagine, you know, tides and waves and all this type of stuff, and you're, yeah. and you're stepping from a boat onto a fixed object. So, you know, there's a, there's an extremely big focus on all of this and, and and new technologies on how to transfer crew from vessels to to wind turbines so mm. um, the focus on safety is is immense in the industry you're listening to in the spotlight with shirley lynn i'm speaking with michael pinkerton head of engineering at swang core renewable energy in taiwan wait are people like put in each of these turbines to make sure they function normally properly yeah so really so, so, so there's people are people stationed not people no 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 there's not oh, people oh, stationed oh. in the turbines no no not at all oh um, gosh okay um, yeah no you, you you will not live in a turbine <laughs> um so you know you'll install and construct and build the turbines and then and then you leave the turbines they're, they're self-sufficient and and obviously they've got monitors and controlled and yeah. so you can see when there's faults or alarms or issues with the turbines you can remotely operate the turbines so you can shut it down and lock okay. it out etc from from shore but if there's an issue and 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 just to maintain because if you imagine like these turbines are sitting out in the ocean uh -huh. in all weather conditions yeah. for 25 yeah. plus years you know? so um there's a there's a very heavy what, what we call on air more operations and maintenance aspect to um to a wind farm i mean everyone looks at the building and the construction of a wind farm which might take a year or two but you know then the wind farm's got to stay 
operable for the next 25 years. Um, so there's mm. there, there's more of a focus that comes in on the on the O and M, and and there's some big change outs that have to happen. You just think of your car, you know, like when you have mm. a new car, there's there's not too much you have to do with it, general service, oil change, etc. But the older your car gets, the more you mm. have to change brake pads or tyres, you know, bigger bigger right. items of your car need to be serviced. That's exactly the same for a wind farm. Mm. Wow. All right, well, let's talk about, you know, your impressions of time. I mean, why are you here to stay? <laughs> it's, it's a good question, but for anybody that's been to Taiwan, I think they'd understand why you want to stay in Taiwan. <laughs> I mean, for a country that, I, I don't know if you've ever done it, but but one of the things I get a kick out of, um, and if you haven't, I'd recommend it, because it's it, it shares a similar population to Australia. I think Taiwan's about 23 million, Australia's 25 million. Right, but yeah. You, yeah, it is. But if you do the size comparison of Taiwan compared to Australia, mm-hmm. like it is literally like a speck on Australia. <laughs> I um, know. And it, it, it blows my mind. So <laughs> for what I'm getting at there is for the amount of people that Taiwan has um, and for the way that Taiwan is constructed and the way it operates and how progressive it is, mm. I mean, the adventures that you can have in Taiwan, the opportunities that are presented here in Taiwan, I mean, it's just it's a fantastic um, country from from all of those aspects. And, and then you put the people and the cultures and and i'm an extremely avid fan of food so um <laughs> yes the, the food in taiwan who is isn't amazing. <laughs> yeah and, and, and you know I, I get a kick out of you know just just sitting at the little local restaurants on the little plastic stools at the little plastic tables and ordering bottles of beer and mm. eating seafood till you can't fit anything else in and <laughs> it's, it's fantastic i mean um um, it has soul, you know, and at the mm. same time, you can be in a hustle and bustling city, but you can then, you know, walk out into the mountains. And if you're a, a bicyclist, you can ride up some extremely steep and, and high ascents in mountains, you know, mm-hmm. and if you're a hiker, you can go and get um, lost, but without being too lost, you, it's <laughs> breathtaking, you know, it's a, it's a stunning country. It's, it's very easy to fall in love with. Right. Great. That's great. Um, do we have a, a a big Australian community here in Taiwan, or maybe Taipei or Taiwan? I don't know. What do you know? And dare I say, I would err on the side of not particularly. Um, I don't know. Mm. Um, I have a few uh, Australian friends in Taiwan. Yeah. Um, I have more European friends in, okay. in Taiwan than my Australian friends. I mean, I could only really think of, from an Australian perspective, you know, a handful or not too many more um, immediate Australians that I know that are here in Taiwan. Mm. Um, I'm sure there are many, but um, there could be quite a few in the in the in the teaching sector. So, um, uh, you know, there's obviously quite a few um, international teachers in, in in Taiwan in the schooling sector. So, uh, within the within the offshore wind. Uh, realms there's there's not all that many oh, I'm um, sure. most most of the offshore wind expertise comes out of out of Europe so okay. um, they have done the historical works here in the in the offshore wind sector now you're here to stay you don't know how long it's like it could be permanent um, what's your future plan for yourself yeah, well, as I said, um, you know, Taiwan's got a, um, a, a an offshore plan of um, or a target to, to hit by the year twenty thirty five. So yeah. I'm I'm 
quite happy and content where I am today, sitting here with with Swancore as the head of engineering. I see, um, you know, the next few years, there's a number of auctions coming up, mm. the new technologies that are coming into the country, i.e. floating, for example. We're going to be busy for at least the next decade, um, is how I like to look at it. You're happy to be here. We're happy to have you, people like you here in Taiwan, and helping out and contributing your expertise Thank you so much. Yeah, and likewise. <laughs> thank you, Shirley. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website, en.rti.org.tw, for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you'd like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program, Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app, RTI to go That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's rti to go If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune in to 6100 kHz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kHz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International. Music